Well, we are in the middle of this love series, and this morning the title of our sermon is Love and the Power of Words. Love and the Power of Words. We have to talk about the power of words if we're going to talk about how to love. There's power in our words. Now, sometimes words get a little bit of a, um, of a, a bad, a short, uh, uh, what's the word I'm, phrase I'm looking for? Short shrift or, the, you know, a bad, uh, bad rep because we think, well, actions speak louder than words. But friends, there's power in words. I mean, was it not these guys up here to hear uh, high school students say, I'm all in and I'm going for it and I'm going to follow him and I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm, didn't, wasn't that worth your price of admission this morning? I mean, isn't that what you're taking home is just to hear those words being spoken, there's power in words. That's why we're inspired by famous speeches and, and, and by quotes. They're, they're famous because they did something to us when we heard them. You know, Martin Luther King's sermon of I Have a Dream. When you hear that, it does something inside you, right? And, and Kennedy's quote, ask not what your country can do for you, right? I mean, when we hear those things, we say it, it shakes us inside because there's power in words. It's what we love, movie quotes. If you've ever had a dinner around the table with high school kids, it's just full of movie quotes. And we always go, all right, real words, real conversation, enough with the movie quotes. But part of that is because it has impact and it's powerful for them. We've done a, a bunch of love, love movie quotes up here in, at the beginning of our, some of our sermons because we love those things. We you know, the you complete me became famous because every person in the world wanted someone publicly to stand up and say, you complete me. You had me at hello. Come on, it's the cheesiest thing in the world, but we love it because there's something powerful about that reality, those words that are spoken. That's not my favorite quote in that movie. That's the Jerry Maguire movie. My favorite quote in that movie is Marcy, Rod Tidwell's wife. He's the football player where they got this lousy contract offered to them, and Marcy said, no, we're rejecting that contract. She goes, she goes, baby, because this is you and me, and we determine our worth. And then she says this, and you are a strong, proud, surviving, splendid black man. She's looking right at him, and he's all crying. He's all, oh, baby. I said to my wife after that movie, if you could call me a strong, splendid black man, I would love that. Those quotes are powerful to us. Those the words have power. The power of word. And you know the reason why? The reason why words have power is because that's a God thing. That's why words have power. Because, because it's a God thing. When you go look, you look at creation. The beginning of our Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void and... Uh, um, darkness filled it, and the Holy Spirit hovered above the waters. And then it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was. Come on now. And then it goes on, and God said, and God said, and there was. And God said, and there was. And God said, and there was. Isn't there not power in the Word? And then, in the incarnation, when it was revealed that God had come to earth in Jesus, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, our Savior, was called the Word. The, the, the 
emanating of the personality of God, the power of God, the creativeness of God. The power of word is a God thing, friends. And that word made its dwelling among us. And then in the Scriptures, there's this God power word thing. For the word of God is living and active. And sharper than any double-edged or two-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God has this power, this breathed out Word from God that is useful for correcting and training and teaching in righteousness so the person of God can be thoroughly equipped. That comes from God's what? God's Word. See, Word is a God thing. That's why there's power in it. And here's the dramatic and crazy reality, friends. That God power that breathed the world into existence when God said and it was, that Jesus came, the living Word, and dwelt among us, and the Word of God that changes our lives, that God power is built into us. That's dramatic. As the image of God, that has been given to us to have the power, the potential for life and death in our words. You with me? You tracking with me on this? Here's the power of God in word. And then he gives it to us, created in his image, for creativity and expression and for love. And it has the power of life and death. Look at some of these scriptures around that. Proverbs 18, verse 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. It's right there. It has the power of life and death. Other, other place in Proverbs chapter 15. The tongue that brings healing is a tree of life but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And then, man, in a, it's New Testament, but in a pretty dangerous and, 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 and heavy note, James chapter 3 says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Oh my gosh. Everybody encouraged, warm, filled? <laughs> because there's the power of life and death in our tongue. And James was just focusing on the negative side. He's like, there's death here, friends. You set the whole deal on fire, and it's set on fire by hell itself. That's how powerful our tongue can be. This power of the Word is given to us by God Himself. It's part of our expression as creatures in the image of God. And we have the opportunity to bring life and death with our tongue. Wow with our words. So if we're going to do a series on love and we talk about how to love, we have to talk about how to love with words because we know that it's life or there can be death with our words. And have you not experienced both? In my preparation for this sermon, I thought about the times I've experienced life and oh my gosh, so great. And I found myself that I've told many of you that story because I just want to encourage you to keep encouraging one another and I've told you these stories. I, I just have tons of them. I have tons of, of people in my life who say things, significant moments in my life. There, 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 was, a, there was a moment when I was uh, um, uh, in my educational process and we had one of our African-American pastors in our denomination lean forward and say to me, fresh air. 
your fresh air. And God has raised you up for such a time as this. I can remember his exact words to this day because they were life to me, right? You with me on this? I mean, I got a whole bunch of them. I got a million of them because I surround myself with good people. But then I thought about some of the examples of the way that I've experienced death through words. And they were so painful and so part and core to my experience that I was embarrassed even sharing some of them with you. Like I couldn't even think of one that I wanted to share with you because they were so hurtful and hard. And they were off, some of them were even offhanded comments. They're the kinds of things, there's death in them because they're so, they're just words, but they have the power in them. And the enemy can get a hold of some of those words and then replay them in our heads. Anybody, come on church, anybody know what I'm talking about? There's life and there's death. We're going to love and we bring the life of God through our words. That's the power of word. So a few thoughts in just a few minutes that I have remaining in our service this morning. A few thoughts on loving through the power of words. Some challenge, maybe some encouragement. Number one, tame the tongue. Tame the tongue. This is the, this is the number one message about our talking, our speaking, our words, our use of words in the Scriptures. It's about being careful with how we speak. Tame the tongue. Get it under control. Be careful with it. This is the, the message in Scripture about uh, words. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says, Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. Read it with me. So let your words be few. I love that. God's in heaven and you're on earth. So time out. He may have things figured out a little better than you. And if he's in heaven, then he is holy he is a holy God. So you be very careful about how you use life and death power through your words. Isn't that a good passage? Proverbs 17. And this is just a little more lighthearted, but isn't it true? Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. I love that. We kind of have more common phrase. I think we have a more contemporary phrase that says... Uh, um, better to keep your mouth closed and be thought a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. Yeah. So it's sort of this, there's this, this common wisdom that goes, listen, just being quiet has all kinds of benefits. Just sort of shut up and you'll probably get further along than if you talk all the time. And then back on that passage in James 3, just the following verses after the verse I read, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. More encouragement from James, the apostle. It's very intense. He goes, you can't, you, you're really never going to get totally a hold of this thing. I mean, we got all kinds of stuff under our control, but the tongue is so crazy that you, it, and it's so poisonous, you got to be careful. So why is taming it so important? And it's this. We know this. Because you can't take back, back the power of what went out. You can't take it back. This is like every children's little lesson we've ever taught. This is, this is, we all know this to be true. We can never take back 
what goes out. And so we have to start by saying, all right, I'm going to tame my tongue, and maybe it won't go out in the first place. I can't get those words back. Brian Regan, who does the, he said something at a party, and he was like, as it was coming out, he was like, oh, darn it. And those words have the power of life and can have the power of death. And death's too high a price to pay when we're called to love the world and to love God and to love one another. And so we tame the tongue. Where are you prone to speak too quickly, to speak too quickly, to not tame your tongue? When, when does that happen for you? I mean, just as a pragmatic reality, we probably should look at our day in the arc of our lives and to say, you know what, in seasons like that, in moments like that, in, in situations like that, with that person, I just need to shut up. I've got to tame the tongue. That is the first and most significant advice the Scriptures give us is tame the tongue, get it under control, don't be so quick to speak, be slow to speak and quick to listen. And then when we do speak, to do so with intentionality and with love. Tame the tongue, get it under our control, get the reins of it and pull it back when it needs to be pulled back and not to let unnecessary words come out of our mouths. When does that happen to you? And then to release those reins and to steer and to be intentional when we do open our mouths. That's part of taming our tongue. You know, I do a lot of running around Moran, all the different trails and all that kind of stuff, and I see people out there with their dogs. Do you have a tame dog? Or you just think it's tame? So there's two different kinds of people out there in the trails. Well, there's three different kinds. There's the people who obey the leash laws have their dog on a leash. Bless you. Then there's two other kinds of people in the world. And one of those people are people who believe that their dogs are trained. That their dogs are under control. And those are the dogs that bite me, trip me, run all over the place. And they come at you with their teeth snarling, their hair on the back. And then I get this, he's nice. And I'm like, yeah, all the evidence is pointing that way. But those people always crack me up because they just scream their dog's name at the top of their lungs, and that's their effort to tame their dog. Of course, they're carrying a leash strapped onto the side of them, but the dog's not there. We tame our tongue by putting the leash on it, and then we let that leash out when it's safe and right and intentional and appropriate, and we speak words of love. That's what the Scripture calls us to, to tame our tongue. Second thing. The power of, under the power of word. Tune the tone. Tame the tongue, tune the tone. Tone matters. Look at Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Everybody stops here. Everybody reads this verse and goes, dang, I got to stop swearing so much. Okay, that's true. Art, that's totally true. You got to stop. You got to clean up. Zan, you got you to gotta clean up your language. So, but that's not what this passage is totally about. I was about to make a joke and swear, but I wouldn't. I won't do that. <laughs> do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Keep reading. But only what is helpful for building others up. I mean, look at how it builds on itself. But, but, only, but only let, let out the, the, the leash. Let, let the reins out. Be intentional. When it's helpful, what does that mean? Building people up. 
according to what they need, not what you feel like you need or what you want to say or what it makes, how good it makes you feel to let out steam, whatever. You, look at those things. Helpful, building others up according to their needs that, they would be, that it would benefit them. Saying, to be quiet until you can be helpful and strengthening and encouraging and building up and beneficial to everybody around you. That's how you use your words. And there's a tone thing in there. The tone thing is about, is this helpful for somebody? Is that what the tone is? So many of us are so good at cynicism and sarcasm and deep and rich insight and commentary on all that goes on in the world. Well, doesn't that make you smart? That's what I feel. It makes me so smart. Look at me. I got it figured out. I got that person figured out. I got this situation figured out. But you know what? The Scriptures say, tame your tongue and then tune the tone only let come out what is helpful for building others up that it meets their needs and benefits them. Is that your tone? Here's the litmus test. What do you think people say behind your back about how you come off, about who you are? What do people say in your home, in your workplace, on the ball field, your kid's ball field, what do they say behind your back about the fragrance that you give off? Do they go, oh my gosh, I love being around Mazzarello. That guy is so sweet and so fun and so nice and so encouraging. I feel like a million bucks when I'm with that guy. He's awesome to have around. Or do they say, that guy, he's got to get a grip. That guy doesn't feel safe to me. Who wants to be around that? What do they say behind your back about the tone, the fragrance that you give off? When you leave the room, do they go, man, it is always good to be in Al's presence. It's always good. I'm encouraged and strengthened and benefited. That's the power of life that God gives us to speak. That's living in the image of God that He spoke creatively and brought life out of nothing and then brought life out of death in the resurrection. This is the power of God that He's given us in our mouths to speak. What's your tone? What do you leave? What's the fragrance? What's your reputation? What's your legacy in your home? That's challenging. Isn't that challenging? Do I need to move on and go like this and I'll just go to the next point? <laughs> Tame the tongue, tune the tone, and third, take advantage of technology. Take advantage of technology. Texting, Twittering, Facebooking, uh, uh, Instagramming, give me another one. LinkedIn. Okay, all of these opportunities and even just having a cell phone at our disposal, even the telephone itself, you got the rotary in your house. All of those things, we kind of whine about those things because they fill our time and there's a lot of fluff and there's a lot of craziness and now there's ads on my Facebook and there's a lot of junk that people put out there and there's a lot of craziness going on. But friends, you take advantage of your technology and speak life, love the world. 
You can love people with your technology. How, how great that when you're riding the bus to the city for work, when somebody pops into mind, you can thank God for Michael Hill and his gifts and his commitment to our body and, and how he's helping us grow in the Lord. And you can then send him an email and tell him so. Then he rolls out of bed all groggy-eyed and spiky hair. Oh, that's how he looks all the time. And, uh, and he can look at it and go, oh my gosh, life. We get the opportunity to do that. What do you use all your technology for, all your Facebooking, all your telephoning? Does your telephone just sit quiet if you're not a whole Facebook technology person? Does your phone just sit quiet? I think maybe you ought to just think to yourself every day, I'm going to take advantage of technology and I'm going to look for a way to use my words in it and love somebody. I was just looking back at an old journal and I found that I had made a commitment as a sophomore in college that I would write a letter every day encouraging somebody in my life. And it was a real letter. And I was successful for that year. Now look what we can do. Stop wasting time with all that technology. Stop wasting time with all the possibilities. You've seen enough videos of kitties walking on the, on the, the piano keyboard. <laughs> Get on there and speak life and love into your friends and into their world. Be careful about it. You want to you know, a, you know a, an acronym that might help you, a way to remember it? TLC. What's that stand for? I don't know. Tender, loving, care. It's an R&B group, I think. TLC. But think about this. Be thoughtful. Stop and think when you see somebody's posting on Facebook. I wonder where that's coming from. I wonder how they're doing. Let me think that through. Or if you're not a Facebook person, think about is, you know, the person you ran across that day in the store or, or in your brain and think, what's God God telling me about them, and, and I wonder how they're doing with this situation. Be thoughtful about it. I know I'm, this is not you guys. It's got to be all them young folk, but when people just respond, man, they get into trouble more often than not. Hello, can I get an amen, Pastor Art? Be thoughtful. T, be thoughtful. What do they need to hear today that would be loving that the power of my words can speak life into them. Be loving, uh, be thoughtful. L, be loving, be loving in it. Think, how, how, how does this meet their needs? I'm going to be not about myself. I spend a lot of time on Facebook trying to figure out how quaint I can be, how smart I can be, how funny I can be, how I can outdo all the other people's comments by my obvious wit and intellect. Maybe I just ought to be the most loving on Facebook. What do they need to hear? Let me text that to them right now. Be thoughtful, be loving, and see, be careful. Be slow. Don't click send. Don't respond in that email. Don't send that text until you've read it, thought about it. Careful, prayed about it. Because you can't take it back. We have been given the power of life and death in the image of God that's in us to love people. So let's tame our tongue and tune our tone and take back technology. Here's a final word, though. You know that this really isn't the problem and the solution is not really with our mouths. You know that, right? The problem and the solution is not really with our mouths. It's with our hearts. 
right? I mean, we talk all the time about how to use your mouth, how to use your mouth, how to use your mouth. The scriptures affirm this. Jesus said this. Look at Matthew 12. Make a tree good, and what's going to happen? The fruit's going to be good. Make a tree bad, the fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. I, that's Jesus. I'm not telling you that. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored in him. Man, did did you just love the, the beauty and the simplicity of that phrase? A good person brings good things out of the good that's stored in them. And an evil person brings evil things out of the evil stored in them. It's as simple as that. So we got to do the heart work. And God's the one that does heart work. And so as Romans 6 says, we come and we offer the parts of our bodies to him as instruments of righteousness, as instruments of life, as instruments of love. So we offer our, our mouths, our tongue, our words, but we also offer our hearts. And we say, God, you're the one that transforms us by your spirit. Come change me out of the good in me would come good words and good fruit and life and love. Let me be that instrument of righteousness for you.